Remember, before we get into the message out of the same chapter that's today's date, that's, my, my, that's how I do it, I chose verse 3. It's honorable for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. <laughs> Lord, as we get into your word today, speak to us, Lord. Not through this human vessel, but Lord, through your word, may your spirit do what you desire to do in, in, in our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're starting a new uh, series today, and uh, the title of the series is Conversation with God. And hopefully by the time we get to the other end of the series, it'll be several weeks, your your prayer life will be different. And I don't want to in any way suggest that there's anything wrong with your prayer life. But we're going to see what the Word of God says about prayer. We're going to see um, what, what, what is the Lord's intention about prayer. Is it a ritual? Is it, is it something where you, it's an incanta- incantation where you have to say the right magical sequence and actual words? Or is it more like this, where you just talk to somebody? You just pour out your heart. And what exactly is the purpose of prayer? Is it for us to inform God about things that he needs the information? Or is it, is there something else that goes on? Is it, although it's a function maybe of of us speaking or maybe silently, inwardly speaking to God, is it more to do with our mouth or our ears? Lots of questions and we're going to do that. Now, I gotta say that as I've been preparing for for this series, and particularly this first message in the series, I, I just... It just feels to me like going to the dentist, okay? Nothing wrong with going to the dentist. When I was a little kid, I was deathly afraid of going to the dentist. I suppose just because I'd heard horror stories, had never been. And, uh, and I learned from having a couple of cavities that, um, that, that what happens there is this. They're there to help you have a long and healthy life. Do you know if you take care of your teeth and your gums, you actually... She thinks I'm going to say, be true to your teeth or they'll be false to you. But I was never going to even say that. <laughs> Did you hear her saying no over there? I wasn't even going to say that. I was just going to say that if you take care of your teeth and your gums, you'll actually have a healthier life. Okay? There's just something about this. And here's the thing, though. First time I ever went into the dentist, it wasn't just a checkup because I had a problem with a tooth as a little guy. And I was afraid. And, 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 the, and, and basically, they have to drill. It's okay, it's fine, um, but it wasn't at the time when I was a guy. I was, it was, I, was a, I was a little kid, I was afraid, basically, because, you know, but the basic idea is this, we have to take out the things that are in there that, that prohibit us from getting it back to healthy again, and then we'll fix it. And it's a great concept, it works well. The thing is that the doc gave some Novocaine, right, which was really good. The truth is, it never hurt. None of it ever hurt. It's all a buildup in my mind. But the truth is that I, I needed that Novocaine to help me get through the process and not be in pain. So I, I just want to pray that as we get into this message today and we talk about prayer, I'm going to do, um, I think what the Holy Spirit is going to do here is a little bit of drilling to take out some bad thinking about prayer. And for some of you, I, it's not my desire to step on anybody's toes. So my prayer right now is that the Lord will give you some sort of spiritual Novocaine so that when I offend you, (laughs) when I offend you, you'll be fine because pretty soon I won't be offending you. I'll be offending the person next to you and you can enjoy that instead, okay? (laughs) So um, we're going to talk today about why we don't pray. And uh, so here are a couple of passages that I'm sure you're familiar with. Start in James chapter 5, starting at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. That's another form of prayer. 
Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Notice there's this connection between sin and prayer. More on that later. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Those of you who are prophetically minded see, see three, year, three and a half years, and you're thinking, oh, there's a connection. Uh, I'm not going down that trail. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now, um, you probably are familiar with either that passage or you've heard some of those phrases, but you understand the concept that you pray and things happen. Um, okay, so we're going to get to our text, though, which is in the chapter just before that, James chapter 4, um, verses 1 through 3. What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Here's the famous part. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And I think the fact is that most Christians do not pray. Now stay with me, okay? But I think that I think we sing about God and I think we think about God. We might even talk to other people about God. But actually talking to God in a biblical way faithfully, I think hardly at all. And I, I know that that kind of a comment to you might be a little bit hard to, to accept, but I'm going to give you, I want to give you a few examples. We'll start, and I want to be somewhat lighthearted here, but I'm kind of somewhat serious um, about uh, some examples of what I'm going to call barely praying prayers, okay? These are barely praying prayers. And uh, okay, I'm going to start with number one. I'm going to call, I'm going to give each of these a condescending name um, that I think might be a little bit funny. I don't know if it will be or not. Um, the Lord God, Lord God prayer. Okay, the Lord God, it, it sounds like this. Um, Lord God, we just, Lord God, want to be thankful, Lord God, that you're here, Lord God, today. And Lord God, if you could, Lord God, show up, Lord God, in our tomorrow's Lord God. Then, okay, who prays like that? Who, who talks to anybody like that? Now, okay, I, <laughs> I, I know nobody talks to anybody else like that. If I was to say to my wife, Lisa, wife, dear wife, Lisa, wife, she'd go, what is it you want? <laughs> What's wrong with you? People just don't talk that way. And I, 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 if we hear that, we think, we just make an assumption that the person, maybe they're nervous or they're uncomfortable. Uh, and listen, I've prayed like that. And if you've prayed, I'm not criticizing you for that. I'm just saying, you know, people tend to not talk to people with whom they're comfortable in that manner. Just, that's just not an indication. It just seems strange. Here's another barely praying prayer. I'm going to call this the data burst prayer, okay? Here's what it looks like. You've been um, with a friend, and you've been having a very difficult conversation, maybe lots of tears, might have lasted for a while. Problems poured out, concerns, you've consoled, so forth, and now you're on your way out to your car. You've got to go home, and um, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to pray for my friend. Lord, Help Sarah. Amen. Really? That's it? That's a data burst prayer. I know maybe you have a th theory that God has already knows all of the stuff around the circumstances, and so it's already implied in your prayer. Um, 
but um, you know, here's another one. I just got my bank statement, and, and, and I've realized that it's got a flat zero account, and I got bills to pay and so forth. I say to God, God, meet our needs. It's a data burst. Okay? It's just a data burst. It's, um, you know, maybe, maybe you pray all the time. But be honest. If all our prayers are, are only data bursts, you know, you're driving along, Lord, help my wife, Lisa. Listen, keep doing that. Keep praying those things. But don't call that your prayer life. That's not at all what James is talking about in prayer. That's just not the same thing. Little data burst prayers. Here's another one. The now hear this prayer. Okay. Now hear this. The now hear this prayer. Okay. That's where maybe you're sitting around the table with your children and, and your prayer goes something like this. Well, Lord, help us have a better attitude about broccoli than we had yesterday. And Lord, help us. I got my eyes closed right now. And Lord, help us to um, obey mommy the very first time. Who are we actually talking to in that prayer? Are we actually talking to God? Or are we just kind of talking to the children in the context? That's a the now hear this prayer. Um, we're talking to people. And now preachers are good at this, Okay. I mean, in, in, in all fairness, to be you know true to myself, there's this preacher prayer thing that happens quite a lot, and um, you'll get to the end of the service, and that's when you would expect a prayer to be something different, and um, the pastor will start preaching or in, in the prayer, and he, all of a sudden he'll he'll remember ooh that that point from verse, and Lord, it says in verse 17 too, that da, 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 and we go off into making these prayer points, and, and, and this, the, you, you follow me? That's the preacher prayer? Okay. We weren't really talking to God there. It was kind of like more of a sermon, and tucked into that prayer time, there comes a point where you're no longer actually talking to God. That's a barely praying prayer. Here's another one, the regular ritual We'll call it the regular ritual. And it's, it's because you say, you say this thing, same thing over and over again. It's like when you teach a child, a child to pray, the easiest thing to do, of course, is to teach them a rhyming embedded prayer. You know, now I lay me down to sleep. I heard a story about a little boy who, um, you know, now I lay me down to s- sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if he hollers, let him go. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Or something like that. It's kind of like he switched from one rhyme to another one and didn't realize it. It's like that scene from Christmas Vacation, you know, where um, Aunt Bethany is asked to give the blessing. Remember that scene? And she doesn't know what to do, so she starts the Pledge of Allegiance. It's because that's the memorized, okay, the, 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 the rit- regular ritual. And here's the thing, you know, I mean, in all honesty, how many of us have some go-to prayer phrases? I mean, be honest. You put your, let me see your hand. You got some go-to. Okay. It's pretty, pretty easy to do that. But the thing is that when, when Jesus taught what we call the Lord's Prayer, he was giving us a pattern for how to pray, not the word combination to use. It's not that the Lord wanted to teach us to memorize a ritual. It's a great prayer, and you ought to pray it. But what you ought to really do is let it get down into your soul enough that when you pray it, you're using your own expressions, and you let the Holy Spirit drive you um, as you go through that prayer. Because the Lord never wanted to, to, to cause you and me to become ritualistic. He wants relationship. He died for relationship, not for ritual. So um, anyway, so now I, I think that um, sometimes our... Infrequency, 
maybe our discomfort, maybe our failure to persist in prayer is, is an indication that we need somewhat of a breakthrough in our, in our uh, conversations that we have with God. And our message, the message this morning may not be, you know, necessarily for all of us all that fun the whole time. And the, the, the reason, I think, to boil this down that we don't pray the way that we should is because when we do, it doesn't seem like God answers the prayers. That's reality. And I think that the vast majority of us present in church today, you know, have significant burdens about which we really haven't actually prayed in an extended, biblical, faithful way. Now, I'm not saying to you that you haven't sent a couple of data bursts towards God. I'm not saying to you that you actually haven't even once or twice got alone and got on your knees and spent time with the Lord in prayer. What I'm saying is that, that there won't be, first off, there won't be any breakthroughs in prayer without real brutal honesty here. So I'm trying to be tenderly brutal and direct um, and, and, and I got to be faithful to my responsibility. So uh, today's message is going to bring up some things that um, are the reasons why we don't see answers to prayers. And I want to remind you of scripture that says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And uh, I bring that to you because I want to say, here are some things that will help us um, and and uh, so um, here we, I want to drill down into God's word and find out the reasons why we haven't seen answers to some of our prayers. So let's go back into our text, James chapter four, starting in verse one. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? These words, quarrels and fights, um, I have a tendency to dig down into the Greek words and find out what they mean. Um, the word quarrels is polemos. We get our word uh, polemics from it. It, it. It's a strong attack it's a, or it can be a series of attacks. And make, that's, the, that's a bad striving. The concept here is this extended arguments that go on and on. What causes these ongoing things? Why am I always fighting with my sister? Why am I always at odds with my boss? Why, why is there always this tension? And um, why is that? Why is there so much relational strife? He goes on to give us an answer. James chapter four, he says, is it not this that your passions are at war within you? The King James translation doesn't say passions, it says lusts. It's the Greek word hedone, from which we get our word hedonism. Hedonism is the religion of, of self-gratification. We call that, that would be hedonism. And I think that even Christians have to continually kind of beat down the residue of the world that would want to press upon us this viewpoint um, that self-gratification, that, that, because I believe that's the religion of our day. Hedonism, you know, what I want, what I want, what I want. And my wanter is not broken. <laughs> and your wanter works pretty good too. I'm pretty sure of it. I mean, we, we, our wanters function, I want, I want, I want. I mean, it starts from the very beginning, you wake up in the morning. Do I want to get out of bed? Do I want to? <laughs> do I want to shower? Do I want? What do I want? What, what do I want for breakfast? What do I want? I want. I want it's just our wanter is driving, and Peter says that this wanter, this desire, this this passion to gratify self, this is what's causing so much strife. And look at where he goes with this, verse two: You desire and do not have, so you murder. 
course, Jesus taught that hate is the same as murder. He says, you hate, you kill, you kill in your heart and your mind. It goes on, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And then comes this astounding phrase at the end. You do not have because you do not ask. Now, please don't answer this out loud. Is that really true in your life? Is it actually true? Is the reason because you don't ask? I know you're thinking right now, well, actually, Terry, I've well, asked a lot. I'd like to suggest that it actually is, is actually very frequently true according to what we experience. And the reason is that we ask for foolish things. You know, the stuff we're asking for isn't the stuff that, that he's saying here that if you ask for it, you'll have it. We're asking for different stuff. We're not asking for the actual things that we're supposed to want and long for. Okay, Terry, um, you've got to have some scriptural examples for that kind of a statement. Okay. I got lots of them. So here's, 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 here's one choice that I chose. I chose one with red letters. I like the red letter ones for examples because it's Jesus talking. Matthew 11, this is 28 to 30. So here's Jesus talking. He says, this is an example of us not asking for what, what, what he wants. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. rest. Now, pause there for a second. I, I want to just categorically assure you, today, if you're weary, if you're just beaten down by the weight of the things that you carry, if it just, the burden of life that just is relentless, I just want to assure you that if you get alone and you get with Jesus and in and, and any prolonged and repeated way, and, and, and I guarantee you that that promise will get answered. Now pay attention here. And if you don't have that kind of rest this morning, you know, you have not because you ask not is what scripture is saying. Because how many people actually pray for this? And, and it, okay, the promise goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, a, a moment, a, let's spend a moment on the yoke. The yoke was um, a harness piece of equipment. It would go on an ox. Um, I don't know how many of us here have experienced with a, an ox and a yoke, probably none of us, but um, it was this big thing, and it wasn't decorative. It was meant to secure the tool and to also um, secure the steering instrument, but also in the yokes of that day, there would be these prods on the inside. Now, uh, 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 <laughs> I met a guy who used to work for the trains, and he got to ring that bell. Man, that's cool. Oh, every little boy wants to honk the horn on a train, isn't it true? Okay, so inside the yoke are these little points, these little prods. And an ox, if an ox is going somewhere and decides to go over there, it doesn't do this. The first thing an ox does is it turns and looks where it wants to go. The neck starts to, to incline away from the direction that it's, trying to, that it's supposed to go. So they put these little points in there, and when the neck turns, it hurts. Causes to put the neck back in alignment with the correct direction. You follow me? Okay. So, so sometimes our neck hurts because we're straining to change the direction that we ought to be going. I love this example from Jesus. And, and, and many, many yokes were built for two oxen. Okay, so that's why Jesus would say, yoke with me. Take my yoke. Now, um, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He's saying, you know, if you, if you want rest for your soul, 
if you want to be done with this terrible, heavy burden, if you want true rest, then you get in this yoke with me and I'll take the weight. I'll set the direction. Here's the thing. I think most of the time when we hear this and we muster up our faith and we think, okay, I'm going to pray this prayer, the prayer's a little different. We say, hey, Jesus, would you get in my yoke, please? Instead of us saying, hey, Lord, can I get in your yoke with you? (laughs) It's a big, big difference. And he's not offering to get into your yoke. He's offering for you that if you'll get in the yoke with him, the weight will come off of your shoulders. But how many people are actually praying for that? When was the last time, (laughs) don't answer this, this is me talking to Terry. Terry, when was the last time you got on your knees and said, Jesus, can I get in your yoke with you? Which direction are you going? I'm going to go there. He goes on in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now here's Jesus' yoke. Here's his yoke. No pride. No self-importance. No expectations of others. No disappointment when they hurt us. Total selflessness. Scripture says that he made of himself no reputations, Philippians. And, and it's getting us to the place where, Lord, I, I really don't matter at all. I just want to be by your side. How many of us are praying for that? You know, get me, Lord, to the place where I get to the end of myself and I get to being about what it is that you're doing. More often, instead, what we pray for are easier paths. Instead, we should be praying for stronger legs. But we don't pray for the right stuff. But if we would pray for the right stuff, we would pray for the good stuff, we would pray for the stuff you know, of getting ourselves to the end of ourselves and to the edge of something greater, those prayers would get answered so fast and so totally. But we don't pray about that. We don't. That's what I mean when I say, Christians, we really don't pray all that much. You know? And that's the sense when I say, you know, when I think Scripture is saying here, you have not because you ask not. Now, I want to give you a quick list of, uh, of promises made by Jesus. So these have red letter in my, my version of the Bible. I'm going to go through these fast. I'm not going to teach them. I'm just going to give them off to you. Write them down later, and you can write them down later. You can look at them. Matthew 21, 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Luke 11, 9, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. John 14, 13, whenever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. These are great promises. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's a tall order, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Wow. Because abiding in, you know, if I'm abiding in Jesus and his words are abiding in in me, I'm not going to ask for any foolish stuff. So what I ask for will be the will of God, and it's going to happen. John 16, 23, In that day you'll ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Of course, in Jesus' name is more than a post-it note that you slap onto the end of your prayer. You know, in in Jesus' name, it means only asking the things that are consistent with his will. Only asking for the things that are consistent with his desires, you know, for me and for the world. I think prayer is not just the process of us getting something from God. 
I think prayer first and, and, and primarily is the process of getting into the place where, where I'm asking for his will. And, um, and, and when I'm asking, I'm asking for his will for the right reasons. Prayer is this process of me becoming spiritually fit to receive the things that he already wants to do for me. It's not just me getting caught up in my agenda, but somehow it's me actually getting on God's agenda. You know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus prayed. He wanted the cup to pass. That's praying. And that's the sense in which I say to you that I think Christians, most Christians don't pray. And when I think about all of those promises that Jesus made, and so many people saying, this is not happening in my life, then I conclude something somewhere has got to be off. Could be Jesus' promises, or maybe it could be our life. Those are the two opportunities. Those are the two possibilities. Makes me want to look deeply into God's word and see what the deal is. And um, even, even if it means that I've got to do some hard things, even if we have to do some hard stuff um, so that prayer, answered prayer, can break through into our lives. I want answered prayer to break through into your life. I want it to break through into my life. I've seen great answered miraculous prayers happen. I want more of that. And I think we haven't seen answers many times because we ask wrongly. Look back at James 4, verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask. And we know that some people do ask, but they don't get, get them answered. Verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Okay, that word wrongly there. I'll tell you what. This was the rabbit trail of rabbit trails in my office because I couldn't believe what I was finding. I'm going to share it with you and try to be mature about it, but it's really hard for me to be mature because I'm basically immature. So, it's going to be more evident than it was a minute ago, because most script, most of the Bibles, when you, when you read this, they translate that word wrongly, very politely. They say things like, some translations say, um, when you ask amiss, you ask disease, you ask badly, you ask sick. The word is kakos, K-A-K-O-S, that's the Greek word, and um, this, this, this scripture was originally written in Greek by James, and he used that word. And I, my faith says that it was an inspired word. This was the word that the Holy Spirit gave him to pen, kakos. And you can look it up. It means all of those things. That's a very, very polite translation. But the literal meaning and what the Greeks understood the word to mean is the same root word from which we get our slang word, kaka. Go ahead and snicker, because I did a whole bunch in my office. Okay, I thought, this can't be true. Because, because you ask and do not receive because you pray poopy prayers to spend it on your passions. <laughs> Listen, the Holy Spirit is not coarse, and I'm trying to be mature here. You people are making it difficult. It's your fault! <laughs> but I looked, I looked at the etymology of the word, can that be true? And I'm telling you what, there is a German word, and a, an Italian word, a French word, um, a Portuguese word, a Hindi word, a Russian word. They all go back to the same root word, and it means kaka in every language. It does. <laughs> so um, you might ask the question, well, Pastor Terry, in what way are we praying kaka prayers? Here's six examples of praying wrongly. 
okay? And this will be really the rest of our message as we work through this. Now, I want to preface this. I want to preface before we get into these examples, before I get there, that um, if my behavior is wrong, if I have a sin that's unconfessed, if I have motives that are impure, then my prayer will be wrong. And it's actually unheard by God. Did you know that? That, that there are conditions, situations that cause your prayer to actually be unheard by God, that's different than heard but disregarded. Some things prevent our prayers from actually being heard in heaven. Um, I know you're thinking, well, Terry, you better have some verses for that. Okay, got those, yes, for sure, because uh, I had to verify what I was reading. Uh, there's actually several. Here, we'll start with Psalm 66, verse 18. It says this, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now, that word regard other translations say cherish or hold on to. It's when I'm forgiven, I'm born again, I'm, I'm, I'm restored because of the work and, and of, of faith in Christ. I've received this gift of salvation. And although that's true, I still struggle with sin in my life, which is a fact. Um, and for all of sin to fall short of the glory of God, don't expect me to be any different. Just because I do something doesn't make it okay, in spite of the heresy that my wife taught during the announcements. <laughs> <laughs> I love you like crazy. Okay, okay. She says, okay, move on. People are looking at me. Okay, don't look at her. <laughs> uh, is that working for you, honey? No, okay. Uh, <laughs> you shouldn't have gone on me about the be true to your teeth thing, because, okay. So, um, <laughs> okay. So, he, I'm completely, see, I distract myself. Immaturity in, at work. So, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So I, I, I'm saved, I, I do all these things, born again, but I'm struggling with sin, and I'm seeing that sin functioning in my life, and I'm passive about it. It's acceptable to me. I decide to do nothing about it. This scripture says, I'm regarding that iniquity. He does not hear my prayer. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Okay, Terry, that's fine for the Old Testament. You should have a new verse, a new, new Testament. Okay, got one of those too. John 9, verse 31. Here's this guy who's, who's um, he's been healed of his blindness. That's the context, and here's what he says. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, not just a worshiper, but notice, and does his will, he hears him. So there are conditions about, upon which God won't even hear your prayers. He's not rejecting your prayers. They don't even get to him. And I know that God knows everything, and I know that God is sovereign. I'm just telling you, this is what Scripture says happens when we pray. If these conditions are going to be present, which I'm going to read about, we're going to, we're going to read over this. So, and I, I think you'll see some things here too. Um, as, we, as we go through these examples, there's this common thread. There's this, this truth that's woven through this, and here's this. Actions affect access. Actions affect us. You know, if you need an example of that, get married. And, I mean, my wife's affections are not static. I don't mean to embarrass her or anything, but I think this is true in every marriage. Your wife's affections are not static. They, they can rise or fall based upon your behavior, men. <laughs> every wife and every husband is going, yep, yep, yep. You know, some guys are going, I didn't realize that. And I'm telling you, that explains a lot for you, doesn't it? <laughs> okay. 
Actions affect access. You can't be cold. You can't be indifferent. You, you can't be callous towards sin at work in your life. And then, especially sin that Jesus has already forgiven you for, and, and then you come before God and say, oh yeah, by the way, God, I've got a doctor's appointment tomorrow and I really need you to come through for me. It doesn't work like that. So that's actually the first category um, of praying wrongly. Number one, unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. Isaiah 59, verses one and two says this, Behold, the Lord's, hands, Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. It's like, we wonder why God won't do something. It's not because he can't get to you. It's not like he's going, you know, I'd really like to get over there, Terry, and help you, but you just live too far, and I can't reach you from here. That's, that's not, it's not, I can't get over there. And sometimes I think we think that God's not hearing us. You're right, he's not, but it's not because his ears are dull. Okay, it goes on, nor his ears are heavy, that it cannot hear. It's not that. It's not short arms. It's not that he can't hear. Okay, Lord, what's the problem? Three or two. But your iniquities, your sins have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. It's not that he's disregarding us, that he's not hearing. He's not regarding our prayers in any respect whatsoever. Prayer is this process of becoming spiritually fit to receive you know, what God is already willing to do. And, and I can short-circuit that process of becoming. So what happens is I stop praying because I just don't see answers to the prayers, and my conclusion is that prayers don't work. And that's not the problem at all. The problem is I'm praying wrongly. So you might ask the question, well, what should I do with my unconfessed sin? Well, confess Confess and pray and ask the Lord, search me, Lord, know my heart, and then listen. He'll tell you. <laughs> He'll tell you. You know, write it down, and um, whatever he brings to mind, and then confess it to him, and, and study scriptures, and let the word of God speak to your heart and show you what's there. Invite the Holy Spirit to, to probe you and to show you in your heart um, things that you're blind to. You know, if you're serious about this, and you really don't know what to do, and you're really stuck... Call a trusted friend and, 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 and say this. Hey, I want to take you out for a cup of coffee. And uh, what I want to do is I just want you to speak into my life. You know me really well. I'm going to give you the complete freedom to tell me anything you see that you believe needs to be worked on. And I promise you this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to sit there. I'm, I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to contradict you. I'm not going to give explanations. I'm, not going to, I'm just going to listen. I'm going to take it down and I'm going to thank you. And um, if you do that, you will get some insight. Trust me, you will. Okay, examples of praying wrongly, number one, unconfessed sin. Number two, idolatry. Idolatry. Ezekiel 14, son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? God's saying, why should I listen to these people? He doesn't take the prayers of the idolatry. He doesn't even listen to them. And I think we here in the Western world, with our somewhat watered-down version of Christianity, got to pay attention to this. We immediately discount this topic because we think, well, I have not gotten a calf made out of gold on my, on my, my mantle because it would block the TV. The word worship means to ascribe worth. 
We ascribe worth to something. You realize when you stand, you worship, you are proclaiming God's worth above everything. Idolatry is giving worth to something more than God. This is more valuable than God. And I, I know at this moment, instead, you know, it'd be real easy to go looking around like, you know, where can we find idolatry? Let's look around. Out, you know, I, I know we could say the church down the street or somebody else you know. Or, but I think, you know, I'd ask the question, what would we find um, right here at Crossroads Church that's idolatrous? What, what would we find, what would be competing for God's rightful place in this heart, in my heart, in our lives? Is it, would it be career? Could it, could it be reputation? Could it be our children? You know, I think, and I just say this, I think it's sad that, that people who put their children above God don't really evaluate the harm that they are doing to their children. God, forgive us our idolatry for whatever form it takes, God. Um, Forgive us for that. Okay, the third category affecting prayer is this. Number three, refusal to hear God's word. Proverb 28. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Okay, this is a shocking verse. This, this goes way beyond when I choose to not be in church, you know, because, well, we got, I hear all kinds of, it's not convenient, I'm um, it's too far. It doesn't work for our schedule. We got other things going on because, 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 because of the one. It was, I was there last weekend. I'll get there next time. I'll pick it up somewhere else. There's all these. This goes way beyond even that, although that's an example of what the scripture is talking about, refusing to hear the law. The thing is that, that if I'm going to have a prayer breakthrough, I got to do a lot more than just come to church and listen to Pastor Terry. I got to do way more than that to have a prayer break. I got to actually do some of the things that the Holy Spirit is churning up in my soul. And a lot of that will happen in church on Sunday. But if I come to the word and I don't actually do anything with what I've heard, then I'm going to be that person that's turning his ear away from the law of the Lord. And God uses this word abomination. It's not used a lot. This is a pretty thick book. It's used 71 times. And it's always reserved for the most heinous of sins. God is not um, double-minded about this stuff. He's not, this is a strong word, strong word. And um, it's very clear that um, he doesn't have mixed feelings about that. And I know that these points are very challenging for us to hear, um, but I'm, I'm really trying to be faithful to the scriptures here because, listen, listen, I love you and I care for you and I want you to have prayer breakthrough in your lives. Remember the Novocaine shot we got at the beginning, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Listen, if these things are true for you, here's how the Holy Spirit will be working with you right now. He'll be saying, yes, this is true. I love you. Let's figure out a way to walk together in this. That's the Holy Spirit. If you're hearing the voice, you're worth nothing because that's true about you. You're, you, you just, you will never get, that's hell. That's condemnation. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a voice you should say, well, I know where that, that voice comes from. I resist that. Scripture says that when you resist the enemy, he will flee. Okay, anyway. So, um, and I, another thing you should know. Messages, all, these messages properly shared by any pastor have to have been worked and rolling around in that pastor's heart at a personal level with the Holy Spirit before they ever get here. I would never come up and say, this is what it'd be like if, you know, you should, you should do this because I've already mastered this. That's just not true. I'm right there with you. Okay, number four, a lack of compassion. Another reason. 
Please let this one get into your heart. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. I mean, God cares. He looks down in this world and he sees this huge need. He cares. And God has a hard time hearing people who are trying to get him to do things, but we don't care about the things that he cares about. So if my heart's not a heart of compassion, if I look upon need and I'm not moved, listen, and I'm not just talking about the guy at the freeway on-ramp with the cardboard sign. That's where I struggle. I get into this self-righteous thing rolling in my mind. Well, if I give him $5, where is he going to spend the money on? That's not God <laughs> speaking in my heart. I know God's going to, you know, he will occasionally require me to help somebody that I'm thinking, get a job. But listen, they're not all scammers. <laughs> they're not. And I guess if I'm going to make a mistake, I'd rather not be on the side of the Pharisees. I'd rather be generous and loving and let God sort it out. And listen, if you give somebody $10 on an on-ramp and they shouldn't have been given the money, the Lord just cares about your heart. You had a caring heart. He can give you back your $10 in some other way. He'll take care of it. He loves that you care about people. You've got to have compassion in your heart. If you don't have compassion in your heart, he'll cry out himself and his will not be answered. I, I think God wants us to care about it all. Compassion is the ability to be moved, about, moved by things that don't affect me. It's this ability to be, be, be moved by things that are outside of my experience, people living outside of my life. It's the ability to be moved by those things. And when our hearts are increasingly like that, then I really believe, I don't know if God starts becoming more, to care more about the things that we care about or if we start becoming more yoked with him and we're caring about the same things, but the net result is we are caring about the same things that God cares about and God cares about the things we care about. That's how it goes. We're praying and praying and praying. And, and, and if we don't have a compassion heart, that we pray these things and all we ever get from heaven is, nope, mm -mm, nope. And then we stop praying. Why? Well, I wasn't getting any answers. I thought prayers don't work. But actually, my prayer was kakos. Pretty scholarly, huh, that time? Came out better that time. God forgive our selfish prayers. And then number five, marital insensitivity. This is 1 Peter 3. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Why? So that your prayers may not be hindered. Listen up, men. By the way, ladies, I believe that a careful study of this scripture will tell you that this applies on both sides of the marriage. So listen up, ladies. Marital insensitivity, is, it's, a, it's a hindrance to prayer. You know, people are praying and praying and praying, God, help my children, help my health, help my happiness. And God's thinking, you don't even care about the person whose head is on the pillow right next to you. You're cold-hearted. You're withholding yourself at some level, somewhere, somehow. Care about what I care about. You know, I care about that person on the pillow next to you. And they're not doing all that well in this marriage, so start caring about them. I, mean, I know the Holy Spirit speaks like that. 
I know he does. If you're married and this is not primary for you in your heart, then there is something wrong in your heart. There's something wrong there. And it's a massive hindrance to your prayers. And the last one is unforgiveness. The last hindrance would be unforgiveness. Mark 11. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so your Father in heaven may forgive your trespasses. <laughs> when I come before God in prayer and I've got bitterness toward my neighbor or bitterness towards a pastor in a former church or a pastor in this church or um, your boss or some family member that you just will not forgive, make a note of it. Here's, here's what the Bible says about forgiveness. So it's supposed to be immediate. Means right now. It's supposed to be unilateral. That means all people. It's supposed to be total for all offenses, not just for some. Forgiveness. The Bible calls for immediate, unilateral, and total forgiveness. So not today. Tomorrow. Not, not tomorrow. Today. Let me get that right. Not tomorrow. We forgive today. Not some people, all people. Not some things that they've done, but everything that they've done. Now listen, forgiveness doesn't mean that you say what they did to you was okay. And it doesn't mean that they have, you have to let them do it to you again. But it's a decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they hurt you. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness is saying to someone, you don't owe me anything anymore. Now, I personally, this is my belief. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in this too. <laughs> I, I, I believe you don't have to tell the person right now that you've forgiven them. That If they've not repented, that would cheapen what has happened. But between you and the holy living God, you got to you've got to be very clear about your forgiveness. Completely. Because unforgiveness will keep your prayers from being heard. It's like gravity keeps you and me from the ability to fly. It just, you just won't fly. Anyway, okay. So that's, a, I think that's enough for today. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, um, we know that the whole concept of prayer can become a challenge for us when it doesn't produce the, the end result that we think it's supposed to produce, that Lord, when we get a list of things that you're supposed to do for us, because in our mind, you're this cosmic vending machine, we put in the prayer and out comes the result. But that's never, although that, happen, that can happen, that's not the, the plan. The plan is for us to somehow get ourselves into your yoke, not ask you, invite you into ours. So Lord, where these little adjustments in our understanding and our faith need to happen, we tender our hearts before you. I pray, God, that every heart within hearing today would become softer towards you than it was just 10 minutes ago. That there would be a choice made in every heart. Let my heart become more soft to the things of God. Let me become more like Jesus. I realize the way to, to, for that to happen is for me to yield somewhat my will and to trust with faith the one who loves my soul. So Lord, I pray that that would be happening in this room and that Lord, where 
our prayers have gone unanswered. And in fact, maybe we have harbored against you anger because we feel like it's unjust. Speak to us, Lord, and work those things with us, Lord. Some of us confess, God, that we can't get there without your involvement. So we pray, Lord, and invite you to speak to our hearts today. Let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Eyes closed, please. I want to give opportunity for anyone here who has never opened their heart to Jesus and said, I, I know eternity rests in something, and I'm not a good enough person. I might try, but I fail. I have anger sometimes. I do these things that this Bible says is sin. Scripture says everybody sins, and Scripture says that that makes us all short of the glory of God. Scripture also says that there is no way to the Father, there is no way to heaven except through Jesus. You understand that that's true, but that salvation is offered as a free gift. There's a decision that happens in every human heart. I will receive him as Savior or I will reject him. Please don't reject him. That leads to hell. Receive him. That leads to life eternal. If you've never done that before, I I just invite you to do it right this moment. Who knows what today holds? Tomorrow's promise to no one. Resolve that while you still can. If you've never opened your heart, let me pray with you right now. And um, I won't call you out, but I just need to make eye contact. It's dark out there. Wave your hand at me if you're opening your heart to the Lord. That's all it will be, just a prayer with you. Okay? Well, Lord, thank you, God, for your friendship with so many of us here. Thank you, Lord, that you have nothing in your heart other than our future and our hope. That's the way that you think about us. Help us, Lord, to be more like you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to have the backlights turned up. Have you guys stand with us here as we uh, prepare to leave? I also want to call the prayer team up. And um, they do.